Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creator producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV Awards editor Libby Hill and TV Deputy Editor Ben Travers. Today we're talking about some changes to the Indie Spirits Awards. They're going to have some TV categories, guys. What? Wow. It's it, almost like TV is almost as good as film now. Independent oh. TV. What is it? What is it? I guess we can ask that question in the clicker. We're also going to be talking about the Crown Season 4 First Look. We're going to go to our correspondent for that, right, guys? Yep. Yeah, we're not going to be talking about it, but we've got the person who should be. Oh, and finally, we're going to talk about documentary series. Libby recently caught up with The Keepers, something I still have not seen. <laughs> what a pig. That's what, that's, yeah, the peg is me getting caught up on documentary series from three years ago. Listen, we talked about the Emmys for seven months. This is the first week, sans Emmys, you had to expect a curveball. Like, it just had to be a little bit different. Yeah, we're talking about the Keepers. It had to be like a hard break. It is a millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Well, skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items for this past week. Uh, as we mentioned, the Indie Spirits Awards are going to have five new categories. Uh, these include Best New Scripted Series, Best New Non-Scripted or Documentary Series, Best Male Performance, Best Female Performance, and Best Ensemble Cast. Guys, what does this mean? And what is independent television? Well, it means that TV is good now. And I think it's, uh, you know, in the press release from... Um, film independent it, it was it was great they they are recognizing that those creative those creatives that they they celebrate year in and year out with um with their with the film indie spirits it, you know are working just as much and and just as uh innovatively uh, on television as they are in film um it's a, it's an opportunity i think to finally see a lot of those really smaller much smaller shows um get recognition maybe the other two isn't going to be a great fit for the independent spirit or it's but it's it's definitely like the kind of show i feel like it wouldn't be embraced i think pen 15 might do very well there uh something like um i may destroy you feels like a good player we don't know right now what any of the criteria is for being considered but this isn't something i would hope where you know game of thrones would have rolled in and and won all of the awards because that would be weird and bad i guess that's my biggest question with this whole thing i i mean i've always been a little iffy about the concept of how they define independent film where it's basically like a a regularly like inflation adjusted budget cutoff of 20 million and 22 million and 24 million um year after year and I, I don't know if they're going to use a similar kind of metric to qualify independent television. Um, but as somebody who has gone to, you know, the various film festivals that have tried to incorporate and celebrate independent TV through uh, either you know, episodic or pilot programming, uh, it's, it's a very difficult topic to gauge. Like, it's not something that, that kind of neatly fits any given definition and um again like like you said libby i do think there are shows that it would be nice to see honored specifically because they're not trying to be you know (laughs) 
the biggest and the grandest and the most expensive thing in the world, like the 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 crown competing against. I mean, I may destroy you. I guess they'd be different because it's a limited series versus a drama series. But like, even just the the looking at the production of them and and the resources given to each, those don't seem like they equate well. Even I may destroy you competing against something like uh, Watchmen in the limited series race doesn't quite seem right. Um, so kind of finding a way to separate that would be nice and to celebrate some of the stuff that, you know, isn't the, um, the spectacle that we see the Emmys trending toward. We just spent, you know, the last week worrying about the Mandalorian beating succession in the drama series race purely because it was such a big show that everybody watched, just like Game of Thrones. Um, so to have an award show kind of embrace, you know, uh, a more intimate aspect of television would be great. And at the same time, just like if... If I see Pen15 nominated for an Independent Spirit Award, I'm going to be thrilled because more people might be aware of Pen15, and I'll also be completely thrown off because that's a Hulu show, and they're Disney, and they've got all the money in the world. So it's just like, what's the Right, point? right. But and, like, and wouldn't, wouldn't I, Schitt's Creek's budget be small enough to probably fall into the same category? No, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's the worry. No, but like, okay, the okay, worry okay, is okay, they okay. won't pick what we like. like I know. But no, no. So, But I, I think like... I understand what you're saying with Pen15. It, it was just something I pulled off at the top of my head. But like, just because Hulu is technically Disney, does technically have all the money, doesn't mean they're spending that on Pen15. Um, also, how much money does Disney really have? They just laid off 28,000 park workers. So I don't think things are going great over there. Yeah, and I, I do think the Indie Spirits, they, they still, they do make, like, it's if you're a studio film, provided you're still under whatever threshold that, budget is they still you're still uh you still qualify yeah i th- this is where i have a problem with the independent spirit this is where i'm like this doesn't seem like they had the resources they've had the meetings they have the ends they're all set like they don't need the help like to me like an independent spirit award should be given out to somebody who really did try to do a lot of this on their own and risked and, and there was like a big element of risk involved in making it um so like the idea of of them kind of you know curtsying to the machine if you will i i i don't like that so netflix unveiled a few photos from the upcoming season four of the crown ostensibly showing jillian anderson as margaret thatcher and for more on this we now kick it to our would you say our uk correspondent our crown correspondent our crown correspondent and donahue So fresh off Emmy wins for production design and period and fantasy and outstanding period costumes, this week we got a sneak peek at some of those same looks for season four, The Crown. What they've kind of been sneaky about and the things they've teased to date is an actual look at Gillian Anderson playing Margaret Thatcher. They finally gave the full reveal, full ginger bouffant this week is what we got. And I gotta say, it's pretty alarming i mean if they're true to facts thatcher is going to be the villain in this piece and it's a little bit weird seeing jillian anderson done up in full you know late 70s early 80s gear they also give us a look at emma corin playing princess diana which i think is sort of a much easier sell because corin's an unknown um and she's playing a barely 18 year old diana so there's a little bit of like the fresh face ingenue look that she gets away with that thatcher is the you know famous iron lady doesn't have the same sort of uh, instant empathy. So looking at these photos, it's a little bit hard to tell 
what exactly the next season is going to be. There's always a problem with with near period dramas that it seems like it could be parody or kind of aping photographs that everybody already knows in moments. And this is something that The Crown has gotten away with before, being historically accurate, but also looking interesting and vibrant and new and different. Um, season four photos so far, I'm not 100% sold. Uh, we'll see what it looks like kind of in context with these actors' performances, and Gillian Anderson can do no wrong, of course, so I'm pretty hopeful. Wow, well, guys, fascinating. That was great. That was great. We did it. For full podcast transparency, Leo asked if we wanted to talk about The Crown ourselves before we started, and I explicitly stated that my opinions on The Crown are Anne's opinion on The Crown. So whatever she just said, I endorse. It feels like The Crown is coming back. I feel like we just had a season of The Crown because time has no meaning anymore. Libby, over the weekend, you caught up with The Keepers, Netflix's documentary from three years ago. But I guess I wanted to kick kick things off by you sort of talking about your experience. I guess, spoilers if you haven't watched The Keepers. So The, the Keepers is a, is a great Netflix docuseries um, about the murder of an, uh, the unsolved murder of a nun um, that ends up uh, warping into uh, uh, yet another sex scandal for the Catholic Church that was covered up and um records were deleted and there's there's it's suggested that the baltimore police department was in on it and um it's it was extremely horrifying and the the murder case and then the the revelations that came afterward a lot of it has been spearheaded by these women who were students of the murdered nun who died in 1969 so you have these little these these older ladies uh, running this Facebook group, trying to talk to people, going out there, following leads. And it's very compelling. And as it goes along, you get into some of their classmates who were sexually abused and who... Not everyone knows, not everyone knew about the sexual abuse. So it's it's very interesting watching the world's interconnect and, and watching people come to believe or not believe what other people are saying. It's just, um, it just, it's just very well done and engrossing and like just the right length. It manages to do that great docuseries thing where they're, they're sort of leaving you at the end of every episode with something to chew on as you go into the next one, which I think is so important. Um, I've been on a docuseries kick lately, uh, partially I think because there were there were several. There was there were several good docu series this year. We saw. Um, I really enjoyed Hillary uh, Hulu's Hillary docu series. Um, I I I can't say enough about the Last Dance, which ended up winning the Emmy um, for documentary series. But as I have been looking ahead to what next year's slate might be for the Emmys, things like um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Or, or Love Fraud, um, uh, docuseries from HBO and Showtime, respectively. I just, something's missing. Um, so what else I did this weekend <laughs> was I went back and rewatched The Jinx. And I was like, why was this compelling? Why was this something that we all invested in? Why was this um, appointment television when it was airing? 
Um, and I figured out what it was. Do you want to know what it is? And do you want to know what basically every documentary series since has lost? Short episodes. All documentary series episodes are too long. You go to the Jinx, um, which is like the, the, I don't know, the, the, the Pringles of, I don't know. I love this metaphor. Please finish. Yeah. Finish the analogy. I love, I love love the idea of like anything being the Pringles, like the Jinx is the Pringles of documentaries. Yeah. But what does that mean? Once you pop, you can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or other docs being in bags makes those, those are like a more wasteful packaging. And so there's too much space. Think about how much. Well, it doesn't keep, it doesn't keep chips as fresh. And also think about how much extra space there is in that bag. That's just air. And your whole point oh about. God, that's so true. So the thing about the Jinx, the, the Jinx is the Pringles of, of, of the chips world. And, and I could go a lot of different ways with that uh, and have off mic. But. <laughs> Oh, I'm including all of that. Yeah, that's damn. <laughs> that was gold. You're not stealing that from me. I figured that shit out. Anyway, it's delivered in a very innovative package that is impossible to get out of once you've gotten into it, but is also very economically designed. Um, you have a Pringles can. When you buy it, it's almost entirely filled with product. Um, if you get a bag of chips... Uh, say you get a bag of Lay's, the second you open it, you realize that half of that bag is full of air. Um, that's what we're experiencing with so many documentary series. They're including way too much air. I understand it must be very difficult when you do all of this research and you you are trying to craft together a story, um, mixing multiple storylines and, and, and dozens of interviews and, and trying to determine what is really important but what you need to remember is that you want people to keep watching. And if it's a slog to get through a single episode, there's no way they're going to sit through the entire thing. Um, one of the things that got me off on, got me off on this topic uh, originally was that I had been watching The Vow, which is HBO's documentary series about the Nexium cult. Mm-hmm. Alleged cult. I don't know what we can legally call them. Um, And the first four episodes were pretty good. I had them on while I was doing other things, and I was very anxious to see the next episode. Um, I think I watched the fifth one, and then I got to the sixth one. And I got 15 minutes into it, and I was like, I'm bored of this now. We spent way too much time. It it was a documentary series that started way too early. Um, Like, you, you don't need as much time as you think you need to tell your story. The thing about the jinx is that It was very economical. Episodes were running from, I think the finale was like legitimately 37 minutes long. Um, So we're talking about episodes ranging from like 37 to maybe 52 at the highest end, Um, but mostly falling into that old HBO hour long sweet spot of like 44 minutes. Um, It creates a very, a very compulsive a very compulsive feel when you're watching. When you're watching something with an extra 15 minutes in every single episode, it's just, it's too much. It's, um, you get very logy. And I hate being logy. Um, I love the word logy, though. I, that's all I have to say about docuseries now. No, I, I just think it's a problem. I think 
Well, and a better way about it would be to extend the docuseries in number of episodes and shorten those episodes. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, like, what's your what's your remedy? And I guess that that's it. Because, like, we are sort of in this golden age of, like, true crime docuseries. And it's like, if you had to give advice to people making series right now, like, would it be just, like, more episodes, shorter episodes generally? Or even just, ex- like, be more judicious with your cuts or I guess less judicious cut more out I I mean I think so I I think you need to be merciless when you are cutting things out um and I think as I watch the keepers it's it's such an it's such a difficult task because even that I got to the end I got to almost the end of the series and I was like wait a second in the first episode they said this was also going to be about this like why haven't we talked about this i'm in the final episode and like we haven't talked about this in six hours um it's it's an it's an imperfect science but i don't don't confuse binge watching for oh people will sit down and watch whatever length of programming i give them back to back because it's easy to stop. The problem with streaming is it's really easy to stop and it's really easy to never go back. So you have to keep your your episodes um, reasonably length and uh, generally propulsive or or you're never going to get anyone to sit down and watch the entire thing. I would, I would. And I'm speaking directly to the like 2020 documentary series that I've watched like half of, which there's a half dozen. I mean, mainly for me, that's Tiger King. Um but also true. Yeah, I, I I do think that what's interesting here that I don't quite know, I don't another one that I don't really have the answer to, is that as you mentioned, Leo, like we're living in a time when documentaries are more in demand than ever. Like a lot of documentarians have talked about how at least they have an outlet now. At least they know um, they can they can take their work somewhere and make sure and and make sure it's seen like if it's if it's gonna land at hbo they know there's gonna be an audience there for it if they if it's gonna be on netflix they know there's a huge potential for an audience there um but what's important to the streaming services especially the streaming services i should say is uh, viewer retention which is what Libby was kind of talking about and you know whether or not it's it's easier to uh to quit a documentary uh, versus just kind of keep going with it, they do know, like the services do know that if there's more of it, then there's a there's likely more time that they've got you hooked in. There's likely more, there's more hours of content that they think you want because you've either started it or expressed interest in that genre, or you know otherwise are inclined to watch something like that, and thus you'll stay on their service, and their service will then be valuable to you as a customer, and you'll continue paying the monthly subscription fee. So I, I, I would not be surprised whatsoever uh, if if there's an encouragement from the network side to extend these as much as they can. And I honestly think Tiger King is a great example because Tiger King was something that was delivered. I think it's only seven episodes long. It's kind of an, I think it was an yeah, odd number. Was it I eight? think it's seven. I don't remember. Um, and <laughs> they, they delivered those. It became this huge hit. And Pretty quickly, they figured out a way to add an episode via a, a Joel McHale-hosted kind of, we're going to talk to people from the show and get new reactions for you. And sure, that, that'll bring people back who already finished it, but it's also an extra hour for the people who are still streaming. 
it's also another thing to watch as soon as it's quote unquote over and thus gives you another hour of programming on Netflix to fill your time. And, um, you know, if you're watching an hour or two of TV every night, if you have an extra episode or two of a documentary series, then again, it's more likely that you're going to, you're not going to get restless with your subscription to whatever's carrying that. Um, and because documentarians have so much footage because they have to be so thorough because there are arguably so many, you know, intriguing stories to, to tell within their broader story and, and points to make within their broader story, then they're probably capable of providing that much easier than, you know, a scripted series where it's like, oh, hold on, we got to go back and write another episode or expand an episode count mid season or whatever, you know, they're, they're trying to do. Um, so I, yeah, I think, I think it's a great point that it would be nice to see them at least treat the episodes as they're intended and whatever point you're trying to leave your audience with based in that segment, based in that episode, make sure that that episode is tailored to it so the audience actually keeps it. Because my biggest problem with long docu-series over the years have been confusion. And, and, and uh, when, when the point gets kind of muddled, because if it's an important story, and usually if they're dedicating this much time and resource to telling it, it is an important story, uh, you want it to have that kind of potent feeling when you're done with it. So if you're, if you're, if you know you're blowing it up, at least try to tighten the components so that there's a better chance that individual marks will be left and those individual marks will add up to a, 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 a greater uh, resonant, resonance at the end. Right. And, and that's something with the keepers, like the, the episodes were very clearly like the revelation or like the suspects or, you know, that the trial, like there were very, there were very significant divides. And um, yeah, I think a lot of the times it's not necessarily that they need to be shorter overall, like running length. It's just they need to be re-edited. So their 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 stories are, are like you said more coherent um or are just are just packaged packaged being mindful of being episodic as opposed to just being an eight-hour documentary because that's not that's not actually a narrative i will say to expand on your potato chip metaphor if the comedy store were a potato chip it would be stale potato chips that have been left in a Ziploc bag, but it's like a lot of them. And they're different sorts of potato chips. They're all like mixed in, like from there's some Doritos and some Pringles and like they're good chips that you would want, but they're stale and they're all just smooshed into a bag and there's a lot of crumbs. And then it's like sealed up and like given to you. And you're like, I don't know if I want this. And you're, you're, you're left kind of holding the bag. As That's like most of my junior high lunches. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video of York talking about our TV and Willie Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. Our favorite chips are Cool Ranch Doritos, White Cheddar Cheetos Puffs, and a mixed bag of multiple chip types all nearing or past their expiration dates. Millions of screens does not endorse wet chips. I will say my favorite chip, tortilla chip, is donkey chips, which I don't know if they sell, they don't sell them in California. Oh my. That's a, that's a Midwestern thing. They're very good. 
You can find us on Twitter at a million screens at Midwest Spitfire at Ben T. Travers and Leo Garcia. You can pass an Apple podcast, Spotify, Google Play and other. So leave a review and let us know what you think about Chits Creek. This is Ben, Libby and Leo <laughs> remind you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. Shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs>